0: Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by co-host Matt Carter. And finally, we got our first taste of NC State football in the 2021 college football season. And overall, what a successful night. What a great night. What a beautiful night. Look, I'm here over 2,000 miles away on the West Coast in California. I was watching the game on TV It was a 4.30 kickoff for me, but man, it looked beautiful in Carter-Finley Stadium, and the fans looked electric. I was so jealous. I wish I could have been there. But before we get down into what the atmosphere was like, I'm going to ask Matt Carter, our correspondent who was actually in attendance in Carter-Finley Stadium last night. And before we get into all the breaking down of the game action, a quick reminder for the listeners at home, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Wherever you listen to us, we're on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, you can always watch us on our YouTube channel, where you should subscribe to our YouTube channel and give this video a thumbs up. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is very important. We are super close to that 1,000 subscriber mark threshold, so please, if you haven't already, smash that subscribe button and get us closer to our goal. Last reminder: Use promo code PAC60 for a free 60-day trial on theWolfpacker.com. That unlocks all of our premium content, news, and analysis over there at theWolfpacker.com. All right, Matt. Let's get into the action. NC State demolishes South Florida in Game One of the 2021 campaign, 45 to zero. There was a couple opportunities for South Florida to end the shutout, but it never did. And luckily for my under, it never did. So, (laughs) Matt, before we get into chalk talk, breaking down the film, getting your thoughts on what you saw from Devin Leary, the running backs, the defense, all that good stuff, I just want to ask you how nice it was to probably have to go to Carter-Finley Stadium a little bit earlier than you normally did last year. But you probably are driving in. You notice probably a little bit more traffic. You walk in. There's tailgates going on. There's fans. From what I was able to gather, it looked like a beautiful night in Raleigh. So just give me the lowdown on what the atmosphere was like and how nice it was to be back in carter Friendly Stadium with the fans back. Because it looked like they were really missed. I
1: was just checking the box score here, and it was a – Apparently, uh, cook-off temperature was 73 degrees at Carter Friendly Stadium. We sure as heck beat that noon start with the scorching sun, uh, putting some sweltering heat on your on the back of your neck there. And um, yeah, it was just it was, as I wrote in my column, it was just a perfect night. It really was a perfect night. It was, the fans were back, and the fans were back. And could not have asked for a better night at any point in the year for a football game in the fall. You're not going to get a better, better night from a, a weather standpoint, and and you're right, the, a weather crowd. The, the traffic was backed up on Wade Avenue, and that I-40 Wade Avenue split. It was, you know, it was a bit of a mess as rush hour. People going to the game. You had the people trying to get over the Wade Avenue side and the people coming off Harrison, trying to get back over to the I-40 side on the split. and um, They had the confusion on Edward Mills. I turn in here, or how do I get to Trinity, uh, you know, and um, to walk back underneath that tunnel, under Trinity, that the beautiful tunnel, and, and I wish everybody would take it, by the way. You don't need to cross the street over there at the, over there just walk down to the tunnel and go underneath the tunnel and you can keep the traffic flowing they don't have to stop it for the pedestrians well, matt in their
0: like... defense the people walking over from over there those are the college students tailgating having a good time they probably had a few too many drinks maybe some of it, it for look there's probably a lot of students that that was their first game day experience so they don't know
1: yeah I, i'll cut them a little slack but not much there's a public service announcement there's a tunnel that goes under the road just about a tenth of a mile up, you can walk there and save everybody the time. But back to that, and you walk through the tunnel, and come out, and there at the tailgate and scene. I got there probably about five fifteen, five thirty, and it was already active, um, particularly the grass lots um, over there by quite uh, a friendly uh, on the quite a friendly side of Trinity. Uh, you could smell the the barbecue smoke in the air you know, footballs were being thrown and um you know, it it felt like you know, they I got think it's the seventeenth year, maybe eighteenth football season I've done and it felt like all but one. And it was kinda of good to get back to what it felt like walking into the stadium. It wasn't totally hundred percent normal I would say. I mean I in the press box we're still wearing a mask. We talked about um you know, there's still restrictions out there. and So it, I wouldn't say it was 100% normal, but it still was probably a little over 90% normal. Um, and you're right, the crowd, it just added a lot. I, I've said it before. It, even watching on TV, it makes a huge difference. And I don't think I appreciated it until the PGA Championship this year when watching my guy Phil Mickelson win and seeing the crowd And going overboard about Phil Mickelson winning, you realize how much the crowd brings to the watching of a live sporting event. You know, you would you wouldn't you take it for granted because you just focus on the action. But when you don't have the crowd, you realize what a huge difference that makes to the pleasure of watching a sporting event, and uh, especially college football, especially especially because.
0: Matt, I texted you in the first quarter. I'm like, man, this is such – it was so much more enjoyable to watch. Not that the football wasn't interesting last year, but it – I mean, it was such a huge element of the game that just clearly lacked. It was just – the fan – like, look, I can deal with the masks. That's fine. We've been doing that for 18 months. Minor inconvenience. Can deal with the Zoom press conference. I like it because I'm on the West Coast, and that's the only way I'm going to be involved. (laughs) But beyond those, you know, two minor inconveniences, the fact that we can have a full, you know, attendance in Carter Finley Stadium and hopefully in a safe manner, um, just an awesome thing. And it made my heart full to see it. Honestly, I was I was getting a little emotional watching it.
1: Well, I remember too. There were people who tweeted not to call out one. I just remember Dan Wolken at one point when you like, hey, I don't even when sports came back with no crowd, he we was like, "Yeah, hey, it doesn't make a difference. I don't even miss the crowd. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. And yeah, I think we all understand now what a crowd means and that you see it all. And see the old motor beast backs to pack back sign back. And it looked yeah. like it was updated more modern look versus the, uh, the old, the old sign. And, and to see all that, and the student section I thought was pretty impressive last night. And they they've doing pleasure. They were back at the start of the third quarter. The rest Speaking of the stadium, not as much, but the student section. Were...
0: I've got a point to make on that, because this isn't something that I realized until last night. So I graduated in the fall of 2019 from NC State. So I got the fall 2019 season as my last as a student, even though it wasn't a great season. I still was able to go to games as a student. 2020, of course, nope, not many fans. I know there were some students that were able to go, but it was not the same student section as we you know, are used to seeing it. Last night ended up being the first game as an alma mater, <laughs> as an alum, as a post-grad, as a washed-up post-grad, watching on TV, seeing a full-packed student section. And, man, let me tell you, the first time you see that as a graduate, it makes you feel old as hell. Just seeing yeah, all the ready. students that's the fun.
1: First of fun. That's the first of many, 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 many things that will make you feel older. You know, you'll really feel old when Naheem Hines is retiring from the NFL. Oh,
0: no. And,
1: and uh, <laughs> um, guys that you grew up watching, their sons start popping up as football and basketball players. Or, you know That's when you really start feeling the age. And then you start seeing stuff like
0: this. Fair enough. I I noticed in the mirror the other day, the grays in my hair are just really popping out. Yeah, all
1: five of them. (laughs)
0: Five? Okay, come on, man. I I haven't been gone that long. You know that I got some gray in my hair. But anyways, we've talked enough about the other stuff, but I know the rabid football fans that are listening and watching this podcast want us to get into some chalk talk. So any other points before we get into our chalk talk, Matt?
1: No, let's get into it.
0: All right, let's dive in. And I think we should go in order, not necessarily by what was most impressive, but what may be the most important factors for the entirety of this season. I think we got to start with Devin Leary's return. First game back in carter Friendly Stadium since his leg break in October of 2020 against Duke. Um, Of course, it was an emotional night for the entire team, the fans, the coaches, the team. You know, the players, excuse me. But they were all happy to see the fans back in the stands. But it had to be a unique experience for Devin Leary, knowing that, you know, he had to miss so much of last season. It's his first game back in a while with his teammates, but also there's the emotions of having the full stands and the pageantry and all that good stuff. Anyways, to me, he looked noticeably shaky in that first quarter. Missed some throws couple tipped balls from the defensive linemen and linebackers maybe needed to get a little bit more trajectory on his release but once he settled in I feel like other than that severe underthrow to Thayer Thomas which look I like the idea I thought Thayer was open I thought if Leary put a good ball on it that would have been a, a beautiful touchdown he just severely underthrowed the guy no problem one interception that was his only of the night but other than that I thought we saw a really good Devin Leary. I thought we saw, you know, about what we expected from Leary in the sense that it was more good than bad, but you had stability. What Dave Dorn said, I thought, rung true in the sense that, you know, Leary goes and throws a pick, he's the same guy. Leary goes and throws a 50-yard touchdown, he's the same guy. He's not going to get too high, he's not going to get too low, and... Um, you know, I, I was just I, – overall, I would give him a B-minus last night. And I think that's all you need from from Devin Larry to win games.
1: Yeah, I'd probably be a little bit more friendly on the grading. And, um, yeah, yeah, you know, he was definitely some shaky moments early. The one, one pass was tipped, and if you went back and looked at it, I'm not sure exactly where he was throwing it because that was a crowded secondary there that he might have been trying to force something into the window. Um, so he was fortunate on that, and there were a couple of passes where he was behind the receiver, I think, on a slant or um, trying to go back to work a couple of times. But um, I also like some of the plays he made, like in the first drive. I thought he made two really good plays, one on third down where he scrambled, and then Bam Knight got free, and he was able to find him for first down. I thought that was a very heads up play, which shows a lot of growth and experience on his part to make that kind of play. Uh, it doesn't look hard. It looks simple, right, when watching it. But, you know, that, that's the sign of a mature quarterback who who's looking through the rush rather than at the pass rush. He's looking through it. Um, and I thought the throw to Ricky potion on the wheel route was beautiful. You know, the rope. And uh, Pershing had the guy beat literally recognized it and he didn't bother trying to kind of lob it up to him. He threw a rope to him in stride. And, uh, you know, I thought the deep ball he threw to Devin Carter was, was beautiful. It's a gorgeous deep ball. And, um,
0: should have been a touchdown by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it slightly led him too far to the outside shoulder. Maybe ever so slightly would cause Carter to kind of shift his momentum towards the sideline. But, uh, there, there's no question. I I can confirm from my seat in the press box, Thayer Thomas had a touchdown. I mean, he had his man beat by about five yards. Uh, we know Thayer's fast, fast. It was a touchdown. Louis saw it. He just, and that's uncharacteristic of him because he's got such a strong, strong arm. He just, he just, uh, under it. Um, he just misjudged it. I don't know. You know, that's a hard pass to complete, but you know, in a, in a live game, look, entry state with the beneficiary of, uh, Early in the game, I think South Florida was inside his own 10-yard line, and Cade Fortin took a shot deep where their guy had clearly beaten, I believe it was Tyler Baker-Williams on the play and had him beat by three or four yards, five yards. It could have been a 90-plus yard touchdown with a good throw, and he just missed it. Um, but, yeah, that was, the one, that was the one he wants to take back. But 17-26, but 232, couple touchdowns, got sacked once, handled the pocket well stood in there well, was patient, uh, worked the pocket well. I to me it was a pretty good pretty pretty good grade. Um yeah. Curved, the Curve would be uh who they were playing. And I think everything we talk about we have to acknowledge that South Florida is, is not a good football team. And so everything we're talking about is in the perspective and the relative to the opponent not being a very very good team. I, I don't think that South Florida team is going to win more than two or three games realistically this season. So, um, But that was a nice warm-up act. That was a nice opener. And, and if he builds off that, then NC State I think will be okay.
0: I will say, though, their secondary wasn't atrocious. I, I mean, their run defense was really bad. No, yeah. look, I mean, off, NC State's offensive line bullied them for – you know 60 minutes it at the line of scrimmage nc state one handed lead you know both sides of the ball um didn't think much of south florida's defensive line and linebackers but the secondary made a couple of nice plays and you know forced the receivers to to create opportunities for themselves it wasn't just given half the night um but you know i gave leary a b minus you said that was maybe a little generous what would you have given leary no, I thought that was maybe a little hard. I think I would have been a little more generous. Oh, I think okay. I'd probably give my a, a B plus. Okay, I mean, I'm just saying, in the uh, if my grading scale is you know the spectrum of ACC quarterbacks, like per like that to me, that's the difference between a Sam Howell and a Devin Leary because Sam Howell in that game probably throws you know four or five touchdowns for 400 yards against that defense, you know, it, yeah. and that's just not where Leary is now, and that's okay. You know, all what I'm saying is all Leary needs to be is what he was last night. Don't turn the ball over. Complete most of your passes. Keep driving the ball down the field and allow those playmakers on your offense to to get you in the end zone.
1: Yeah, and to be fair to Leary, I think if they had th- thrown the ball aggressively more, he probably could have gotten maybe not 400 yards, but 300 yards. But when you're running for 300 yards, as I'm sure we're about to talk about, you don't need De- Devin Leary firing the ball around around the field. I mean, they ran for 293 yards and averaged over seven yards a carry. And that includes a sack. So, um, when you're running that well, that easily, that effectively,
0: why risk it? Right. I thought he could have been getting the ball out of his hands a little quicker in that first half. I thought, mm-hmm. thought, thought the ball stuck to his hands a little too long in that first half, but that didn't seem to be a problem in the second too much. Of course, like you mentioned, they, they really didn't need to pass all that much. they, they could have run the ball the whole game, and still would have won, you know, easily. So, yeah. uh, but let's go to the running backs because they were the story of the night on offense in my mind. Well, scratch the run game in total was the story of the night. The running backs were spectacular, but I also think a lot of credit is due to that offensive line, which really had a great game last night and created some great holes for those running backs. Ricky Person Jr., Zonovan Knight, That is the two-headed monster for NC State this year. And both of them delivered. Ricky Person, something about season openers for him. He just had a knack for finding the end zone. All three of NC State's first-half touchdowns credited to Ricky Person. He gets that first one on that first drive um, through the air from Devin Leary on a 33-yard wheel route. And then the other two 11-yard rushes into the end zone in the second quarter. Uh, Ricky Person ends up with over 100 yards. And I texted you in the first half, I said, Matt, because plug for upcoming Wolfpacker magazine, Bam Knight's going to be on the cover. And anybody that listens to this podcast, anybody that's read some of my work, anybody that's involved with the Wolfpacker knows that I am a huge Bam Knight guy. I love Bam Knight, I love watching him play. Um, I was one of those guys last year, I'm like, you gotta feed Bam more, there's no reason he shouldn't have been the, the carries leader last year, in my mind. But after that first half, even me, I texted Matt and Ryan, our uh, managing editor at the Wolfpacker, and I said maybe we put the wrong running back on the cover. That and that <laughs> that that means a lot coming from me. But basically, the moment I said that, Bam starts breaking off some, you know, monstrous runs. He got one, you know, stat patter there at the end of the first half, which didn't really mean anything. But what was it, a 35, 40 yard rush that? Definitely padded his stats a little bit, but Bam had one hell of a night as well. He finishes with 163 yards on 16 carries. Matt, I think a 10 yards per carry average or more. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. You
1: have a 10.2 yards a carry. Ricky Poston with 6.6. right. I actually thought Bam got off to a pretty slow start. First couple of possessions. They didn't run the ball very effectively. Uh, yeah, that first touchdown was kind of created by a, like Chris Toodle making a nice grab on the deflected pass and, and Louie making a couple of nice plays. It was Poston who really got the running game going. And um, I don't know if Bam was, maybe the offensive line needed a little bit. I saw where Icky threw up. Maybe he uh, had to get something out of his system. Yeah, before he was ready to start questioning people, which he did last night, by the way, about three or four times. He's yeah, he yeah, yeah. three really obliterated guys. Um, yeah, he he made some plays I, that
0: are going to end up on his uh, draft reel on ESPN yeah. in a couple months. Yeah.
1: So maybe the offensive line needed a little bit of time to 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 get going, but or maybe it was you know Bam was slightly hesitant at the beginning, and Ricky came in ready, to let it loose. Um, But Ricky really got it going. He really did. And he was running hard. he looked... You can chime in what it looked like on TV, but from the press box, he looked a step faster. He looked a step more explosive. He looked more fluid quicker. I mean, he said this is the best he's ever felt. You got to remember, he dealt with injuries since high school. And he said it's the best he's ever felt. And to me, it looked that way. I mean, it looked like he was a little just a little more all-around athletic out there. And then Bam came in and, as you said, did it. Th- I mean, Bam really ran. He had a little bit of a stat pattern on that last run in the first half. I'd forgotten about that. But he still would have had very impressive stats uh, without it to go over 100 yards. And, and rookie went over 100 yards. First time since, I think, 2015. Uh, two running backs in a game over 100 yards. Uh, and it was needed. Now, the, the key is, Wait, I would,
0: like, I would like to chime in on that Ricky Person point. I okay. 100% agree with you that he looked <laughs> the best I've ever seen him look. He did look a step quicker than he did last year. It was well, The problem last year is that Ricky Person was a good running back last year. It was just a noticeable difference when Bam Knight was on the field because he just looked more explosive. He looked a step quicker. He looked like he would maximize his opportunities based on what the offensive line was giving him. Last night, I couldn't tell much of a difference other than the jersey numbers. I mean, Ricky Person and Bam Knight both looked equally explosive. And if you're an NC State fan, that's got to make you super excited.
1: Yeah. And here,
0: my cross in the
1: hotel is, you know, last year they ran the ball like crazy on Wake Forest in the opener. And they actually ran halfway decently well against Virginia Tech in Week 2. And then as the season progressed, they struggled to run the football. Um, so I have to see how this unfolds over the next few weeks. Remember, I always preach it takes three to four weeks to kind of figure out college football. So last year, I think South Florida played nine games. I had the numbers in scouting South Florida. I want to say they allowed at least 200 yards rushing in six out of the nine games. And in a seventh game, it was like 187. It was right there at 200 yards. Only one team didn't run for 100 yards on them last year, and that was a team that threw for like 500 yards in that game. So clearly they weren't trying to run the football, they were just airing it out. So it is possible that this is partially a function of South Florida's defense, so let's see if they're running the the ball this effectively, consistently as the season unfolds, but to run for more three hundred yards. Really they did run for three hundred yards. They had one sack that bumped them below three hundred. Ah, uh, that's uh that's doing woke. That and that that's better than any game they had last year.
0: Completely agree. I liked what I saw from the run game. I also agree that we gotta see it against better competition, but I, from what it, from what you saw in game one, I think it's fair to say that there definitely could be some improvement and the run game and look there was plenty of room for it compared to last year because you you love the personnel you really like this offensive line you really love these running backs and you, during the offseason there had to be a way to you know get some more production out of the run game and i think at least game 1 they checked that box and let's see what they can do against an SEC defense next week in Mississippi State and then we could start to get really excited but let's move on i don't think we have to talk about the receivers too much, other than the fact that I thought Leary really spread the wealth last night, and it showed just how deep NC State's pass-catching talent is in terms of there's just so many weapons on this team that it's not like... It's almost like last year, Devin Leary had to lean on Emeka Mezzi and Thayer Thomas and Kerry Angeline a little bit at times. And it's not, you know, look, Kerry Angeline's out the door, Thayer Thomas and Emeka Messi, two of your veteran pass catchers. I'm sure that he will lean on them when he needs them throughout this season. But, I mean, there were also other guys that made some great plays. Devin Carter, you know, that connection, 50 yards plus. That should have been a, a big touchdown for, you know, over 60 yards. Uh, Chris Toodle, a tight end. I mean, so far, looking like a good little replacement for Kerry Angeline. He, first of all, that was a huge... Devin Leary needs to go up and thank Christopher Tootle for bailing him out on that first throw, which easily could have been an interception. That tip pass there on the first drive of the game really could have sucked the air out of the team, I thought, pretty early, but a fortunate break for the Wolfpack goes off of a South Florida defender's hands. It trickles into a highly trafficked area of probably three or four, you know, USF defenders in that general area, and Tootle just goes up and grabs it, gets a first down out of the play. So Uh, And he was also able to find the end zone as well. I thought he was effective. Um, Porter Rooks had a good-looking opportunity there in the end zone. I think Leary just overthrew him just a smidge. Um, But all in all, liked what I saw in the pass game, liked what I saw, loved what I saw in the run game. Let's move on to the defense, which, as impressive as the offense was, I thought the defense was even more impressive matt how much should we take out of how ferocious this nc state defense looked against look it's an offense that is probably going to be among the worst that nc state plays this year but it's tough to shut out any team in college football even if it's usf
1: no question and uh that's the thing that, and, and look. It, the shutout is obviously very nice. It was well-earned. It was well-deserved. You know, you have to be honest, they probably South Florida left some points on the board. They, they threw two interceptions in the red zone, and they, they turned it over on downs at the end of the game. Now, granted, that end-of-the-game scenario, that was against NC State's, you know, second-and-third screeners out there. So, uh, and South Florida still had their starters on the field. Uh, so, again, the regular defenders, you know, only twice did I say South Florida had scoring opportunities and both times. NC State was able to get at the interceptions in the red zone. Um, you know, South Florida kind of shot itself in the foot with the offensive pass interference on the pick. Clear at easy call to make. But, uh, um, you know, that set up one of the interceptions. So, you know, it, the, what stood out to me is prior to the last, drive, the meaningless drive. Um, Meaningless only in the sense as I get sidetracked a little bit here. It's kind of a bummer that we didn't get to see Ben Finley have a drive. This is the game where you want Ben Finley to get a drive. And you're thinking with eight minutes left, Ben Finley's going to get a drive. And then South Florida basically took the final eight minutes of the clock off uh, going down the field before turning
0: it over on down. So all Ben Finley got was one snap. It's a good point, um, and I'm perfect. glad you brought it up. Let's address it quickly. I agree. Personally, I don't know about you, Matt, but for a second there, my heart skipped a beat when I saw <laughs> Leary diving for the end zone like a freaking running back with a 35-point lead after he just comes up. Whatever. The game was <laughs> over. To me, I mean, look, I understand that you want to get Leary some rhythm. You want to get him back into game mode, but... This man just came off of a season-ending injury where he broke his leg, and he got grabbed by the ankles when he was diving for the tu- for the end zone. I don't know if it was the same leg or not. I don't recall, but that was a scary moment. I, I mean, that that was uh, all the red flags were going off. I'm like, oh god, is this is this deja vu right now? It's funny, I was sitting next to Luke
1: Dekock in the um, press box, and he had literally about two plays before that said, has it been friendly time?" I get what they were doing. I think Jordan Houston hadn't gotten into the game yet, and I think they wanted Houston getting some reps with Leary in the first string in case they in case they needed Jordan Houston at some point this year, which they quite well might. As you know, running backs is a position where you get banged up quite a bit, and they do like Jordan Houston a lot. So I get what they were trying to do. I think they wanted Jordan Houston with Leary in the first stream for one drive. After Ricky Post, they get, clearly were trying to get Ricky Post into 100 yards. Once he got his 100 yards, they took him out and put Jordan Houston in. He got 5Ks. Uh, and you're right, I had no idea why Devin Leary decided to keep the football there on that RPO um, instead of just giving the ball to Jordan Houston, and that was gay. Um, but prior to that last drive for South Florida, they were under 200 yards of total offense. And if the regular defense had been in there for that last drive, they probably would have finished with less than 200 yards of total offense. That's a heck of a day for a defense. So to me, that's almost uh, impressive at the shutout. Um, you know, I, I think South Florida missed some opportunities in terms of the quote-unquote shutout. You know, you know, they overthrew a, a receiver that probably could have scored on a deep pass once, and, and etc. But. And you take control of the line of scrimmage. The only minor negative I had is zero sacks yeah. against the South Florida team that gave up 30 sacks last year. They came close a lot, so maybe their new quarterbacks are doing a better job getting the football out. But zero um, G- sacks would be my only uh, negative of the day. I thought they had 10 quarterback hurries in the defensive stats, so that's a high number. For quarterback hurds, which shows you that they were a step or two away from actually getting him to the ground, but going into this game, you and I talked. There was an offensive line that gave up a boatload of sacks last year, and they didn't—they didn't get any. So that would have been my one minor, minor negative.
0: Yeah, that was that was my bold prediction going into this game: is that uh, Corey Durden was going to have multiple sacks. That did not happen, but there was. Definitely penetration into the backfield from that defensive line. So I didn't think it was a product of the defensive line not playing well enough. I thought it was more just a product of South Florida putting Timmy McLean, you know, dual threat quarterback, was much better on his legs, frankly, than he was with his arm. And he was just able to extend drives. I mean, the Wolfpack defense was in that backfield all night. So I thought he was just the better guy to go with from a strategic standpoint if you're USF and look he didn't he didn't go down to a sack but he did throw two picks and he was under pressure a lot so you know I'd still give NC State's front unit um, a high grade last point on the Finley Leary decision you know first drive of the fourth quarter It's tough because I can see it both ways. I understand why the coaches would want to give Jordan Houston those reps with the first team. I understand why they'd maybe want to give Leary one more drive to just kind of get into the rhythm of things before a big game next week. But you also have to understand that these athletes are highly, highly competitive, and they're not thinking, oh, I could get hurt here. They're thinking, I want points, I want more yards. They're, They're going out there to battle. And that's what you want. You don't want your players to be thinking, oh, well, I need to protect myself here. That comes with experience. Devin Leary, yes, this is his fourth year in the program, but he is still kind of an inexperienced quarterback in the sense that he doesn't have a full college football season under his belt. So I think in that situation, just considering all the context, personally, I would have had Finley in that game at that point for the entirety of the fourth quarter just because what Leary showed you exactly what I think he is, which is just a really solid ACC quarterback. A really solid ACC quarterback that could be among the best in the middle tier of ACC quarterbacks. But I don't want to dwell on that point too much. We are talking about the defense
1: now. and and a small counter, I would say in defense of the coaches, I'm sure they thought that Finley would get a nice drive. Yeah. I don't think they were anticipating a uh, seven-plus-minute drive by South Florida down the field you know with eight plus minutes left in the game and so I think it was yeah you, know, you you have valid points uh i going ahead and getting Finley into the game when it's 38 nothing in the fourth quarter uh I think the closest anticipated my guess is the coaches anticipated you know what Finley's going to get a good drive here with about five four minutes left will even be able to throw the football a couple times for him and uh in South Florida, just kept going down the field, and next thing you know, they got first and goal, and uh, you needed a goal line stand to prevent the uh, prevent the shutout from being lost. So, look, the Wolfpack staff,
0: been... the Wolfpack staff coached a great game; they really did. And I'm not, I'm not here to knock the decision because it's easy to say from my perspective, it it really is. But I think when you're asking your players to be mature, you got to make mature decisions, and the mature decision would have been. To to go ahead and sit your your first string quarterback that you're going to need throughout the entirety of the season when you have the game clearly in hand in the fourth quarter. But that's just, I'll leave it at that. Um, Matt, let's talk about how good the secondary was. Because that was what jumped out to Dave Doran, and I think that's what jumped out to me too, other than just the ferociousness of the entire defensive unit. Like, what I just like to see is that there were, you know, five or six hats whenever there would be a tackle around the ball carrier, around the pass catcher, quarterback, whoever. I mean, NC State was just playing like a pack of dogs, and they were just hungry. They're, I mean, they are just flying to the ball, and that's exactly what you want to see from this defensive unit. But the secondary shut down these pass catchers for South Florida. I mean, they didn't give them an inch. They were going up and grabbing balls, three picks last night. Of course, one of them was a gimme, but the other two... I thought they were pretty solid. So, I mean, when's the last time you saw an NC State secondary look not just this competent, but good enough to the point where they can go out and make some plays that can that can change a game for you?
1: Yeah, I thought they were really good. And, and you know, again, that's the caveat of kind of like the running game. Let's see it now. They will obviously will be, we're going to learn a lot about these secondary guys next week. Yep. against Mississippi State. So that that's going to tell a lot and, and say a lot. I thought Cyrus Fagan looked really comfortable at safety. He was very noticeable. You know, Derrick Pitts you know, kind of lost the hand fighting on that one deep ball and um, forcing it that that targeting call was overturned because they need him next week. And I frankly, looked yeah. like
0: a target to me. I'm just going to say it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought Tanner Ingel looked really good. Nice job holding on to that interception. Um, so, uh, you know, you see the benefits of adding those two guys from the transfers and having Tanner Ingle on the field. You see all that benefit coming together. I'm going to reserve judgment on the secondary, though, until next week. Good yeah, clearly South Florida has a quarterback situation to work out. I was a little surprised by Cade Fortin because I liked him at UNC. I thought he had a promising future. Uh, he did, Quite frankly, he didn't look, you know, he didn't look as good as I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be, Yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting a huge game out of Cade Fortin or anything of that mad- magnitude, but, you know, kind of looked like Trace Bryce at Duke last year. You know, you thought Chase Bryce was going to be a nice addition to Duke and, Based on what he did for Clemson, and then he really, really struggled last year for Duke, and uh, you hope that for South Florida State, that's shake, that's uh, that's not uh, a repeat of what's going to happen with Cade Fortin here. But
0: which quick sidebar on the Chase Price? He really shredded ECU last night with App State and the Mountaineers. Right, that was in the, in the quarter-
1: press mark told me if he got to play East Carolina every week for Duke last year. He probably would have looked good. For the Blue Devils too. So.
0: Fair point, but that didn't look like the quarterback I saw for the Blue Devils last year. But anyways, continue, yeah. Matt.
1: So I, I, you know, look, and listen, Mississippi State. We're talking about. We'll find out more about them. They they got a quarterback situation too. They have to work through. Um, but we know that Mike Leach, if he has a capable quarterback, that, that's that's an offense that's one to air it out and put up big points and big yards. So, yeah, we'll see how that how that group holds up uh next week but yeah
0: definitely passed this first test so let's go ahead and give our game balls and then we'll talk a little bit about just implications for next week and then we'll get out of here so matt you get the honors who are you giving your game ball to there are many good candidates i don't think you can no, be no, there are a
1: lot. I'm actually going to go off the board a little bit with a guy that I don't think has been talked about a lot, but I thought Drake Thomas had a fantastic football game for NC State. Led the team with eight tackles, one and a half for loss, had the interception in the in the red zone, um, had a quarterback hurry. I thought he set the tone for the defense out there. You know, Drake, when we saw him at the first it looked like a guy who had uh, lost a little bit of weight. And, um, it was, it, was, it was clear to see. I mean, it he looked quicker, faster out there. And, um, you know, all the talk about Isaiah Moore and Peyton Wilson as kind of that one-two puncher linebacker. Well, it may be a one-two-three at linebacker if Drake Thomas is going to play like that this year. So I know a lot of people are talking about the running backs. Desorably so. Um, they might get your game balls. Maybe you can split them out or you do what you want. But I thought Drake Thomas should deserve a mention because I thought that was a really
0: good performance from him. I'm glad you gave it to Drake because if you didn't, I was going to. I agree with you entirely. I thought he was the best defender on the field last night for NC State. Um, And, you know, even more of a silver lining for Wolfpack fans who really appreciated what they saw on defense last night. You didn't even really get that great of a game from Peyton Wilson, who is your best defender. So there's room for even more. And that's that's scary. If 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 Drake Thomas is your scariest linebacker on any given night, and you still got Peyton Wilson, you still got Isaiah Moore, who I thought both played well. I mean, I thought Isaiah Moore maybe played a little bit better in terms of just his overall capabilities compared to how Peyton Wilson played c- compared to his capabilities. Um, but I mean, I thought I didn't think anybody on defense had a bad game, and Drake was just you know above and beyond everybody else. So. Good pick there, Matt. And yes, it's tough because I want to give it to Ricky Person and I want to give it to Bam Knight because they both had such great games. But I'm actually going to give my game ball, or rather game balls, to the NC State offensive line who just manhandled South Florida for 60 minutes. I mean, look, Bam and and Ricky are great running backs and they're going to have a solid year. They are not going to rush for 300 yards uh, every game. Hate to break that to everyone. Mm. But they can thank their offensive line for the type of numbers that they had last night. And Ricky Person was quick to do so, by the way. First question he was asked was an individual question to him. Before he even got into it, he said, I'd like to shout out my offensive line because they were great. And they were. And I think they were deserving of the game balls. If I had to give it to an individual, it'd be Icky Kuan just because he had some devastating blocks. That's for sure. And he is such a strong asset. On offense, but um, I thought the whole unit played well. I thought Zavala looked good. I thought Grant Gibson looked good. How about Grant Gibson give the Oscar to him for drawing that uh, unsportsmanlike penalty? I mean, a man that size doesn't go down that easily. Come on. Come on. Uh, Hey, pack pros, you know, You, you take what works, right? So. Game ball goes to the offensive line. And just briefly here, I think this upcoming game against Mississippi State is going to be a true measuring stick game. It's going to confirm what we think right now. We think NC State's a good team. We're going to find out if they're a good team when they go down to Starkville and play a viable SEC opponent Mississippi State. We don't know how good Mississippi State's going to be. We don't know where they're going to rank among the SEC. But, you know, even the worst teams in the SEC are still pretty doggone good teams. So... And that's going to be a true road test. It's going to be it's going to be an electric atmosphere there. How's Larry going to respond to that? That's probably going to be his first game as a true starter in a hostile environment on the road. And you know, how's this team going to respond to that to that environment? How are they going to respond to that challenge?
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, Mississippi State. A lot of people are going to look at the win loss record. Wasn't very good last year, but you know they beat a good Mid Major in a bowl game in Tulsa. Um, been laid an egg last night, apparently against UC Davis, but um, they beat Tulsa in a bowl game, who was ranked in the top twenty-five. If you go back and look, quite a few close losses that probably could have gone the other way, including Georgia. I think Georgia was a touchdown or less loss last year. That so they they, they don't need a whole lot of improvement to be a much better looking team from a win-loss record standpoint. And if we saw from Kentucky in the bowl game, look, I think NC State was much better than Kentucky at full strength last year, and they were not full strength in that bowl game. But uh, as we saw, you know, even a, a four and I think Kentucky was four and eight, maybe SEC team is still a pretty good team that it, that's gonna give NC State a, a competitive game. So uh, we we'll, we'll learn a lot from Mississippi State. Uh against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned before we went on the air that entry state may have been good enough last night that all of a sudden Vegas might consider making entry state a favorite. Which before you thought maybe Mississippi State would probably, if I remember correctly, you were thinking Mississippi State a very slight favorite. Yeah, about three points. Ooh. Three points. Yeah. I think Vegas maybe I mean clearly they, they seen something there where they were they're hesitant about entry state. I didn't get the line last night. I know it jumped up a little bit before kickoff to 19. I, I you know, wasn't I thought a problem, they were gonna cover that.
0: huh? Was not a problem.
1: I, I thought they were going to easily cover that spread, or, and, and you know, the, the win, the over/under win total, it's a puzzling, puzzling one to a lot of people. And even a lot of smart betters are wondering what's going on with that over/under win total. So maybe last night Vegas start thinking. They need to reevaluate this NC State team a little bit. But uh, I think a lot with If Mississippi State comes out and crushes Louisiana Tech 45 to nothing, then all of the a sudden Mississippi State's probably a healthy touchdown favorite or something in that nation because Louisiana Tech's a better football team than South Florida. Um, Maybe. And, of course, they're playing Louisiana Tech later this year. So Maybe. Um, so we'll see what they do, and then we'll see what the opening line
0: may look like. I'm thinking right now it's probably looking more like a pick 'em. And I couldn't blame Vegas if they go pick 'em here. So, anyways. And
1: I'll tell you the truth. It's the type of game, too, that you from an NC State perspective, you're going to see it on college game day, right? They're going to put it on the bottom of the screen and the pick 'em with the guest picker wherever they are next week. I think Oregon's playing Ohio State. So, my guess is they'll be in Columbus next week. Yeah. At the bottom of the screen, them and the guest picker at some point. Don't be surprised if Mississippi State NC State pops up at the game. They're picking, and that that that's fun. Yeah, one of those small little baby steps.
0: Well, I, yeah. I like I like to think if Mississippi State, you know, plays confidently, gets a dub against Louisiana Tech, uh, might end up on the Deuce instead of the U, because I know it's a game that could go either way. But uh, the way NC State yeah. played last night, I think they're going to want to put them on uh, ESPN two rather than ESPN U. So. Anyways, we will see. I'm, a, I'm already excited for this next game because I think it's going to tell us a lot. Um, but a quick reminder for the listeners at home, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us. We're on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, please, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can watch our podcast there. I know a lot of our listeners have transitioned and started watching on YouTube, and we appreciate that. So come over to YouTube, smash that subscribe button for us, You'll get a lot of good video content from the Wolfpacker. Plus, you can always watch these podcasts where you should give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment if you're feeling frisky. Uh, social media, follow us there on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at The Wolfpacker. You can follow me personally at Justin H. Will on Twitter and give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on TheWolfpacker.com. So, for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams and this has been The Wolfpacker Podcast.